have that day a little bit different in the plans. Um, I know it's not a five Sunday month, but that doesn't matter. We're going to have another, we're going to eat again and, uh, and have, have a lunch after the morning service and then an early afternoon service. And that will be kind of the afternoon service will be a send off service. So uh, kick them out the door, get them out. Just, you know, we'd be glad to keep the rest of the family. It's just Keith. We want to go. Uh, no, it's just, oh, that's terrible. Do we all feel bad for Keith now? All right. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I am kidding. All right. Brother Morris, don't hate me over this. All right. Um, but um, we're going to do that. Now, with that in mind, we were supposed to have a fellowship Sunday night and thought about just go ahead and, and making it a, a, a taco. See, we're going to say in Ecuador, they eat tacos. How's that? But no, just having a taco uh, a meal that afternoon and, and kind of skip the Sunday night. But I need to know what you all are thinking. I mean, do you want to eat Sunday night and then eat again the week after? Are, are we even voting on this? Sorry. <clears throat> We're going to skip Sunday night. And a week from Sunday, we'll have the lunch. And we'll just go ahead and, and go with that. Or do you want to go with something different? Joel, Joel wants to eat. Joel would have, we'd like a meal every service, wouldn't we? All right. Um, okay. Man after my own heart. Way to go. Uh, okay. So is that... Should I should I ask for a vote from the ladies because the ladies are the ones that have all the work to do with this. You know, men we just show up and eat. See, that's that's the thing. So, ladies, are you favorable to uh, just just doing the one meal? Is that it? Like, a, do I get a, a do just doing one meal, or would you rather have something Sunday night? And no. All right, ladies, I, I get the, they're all looking around. I get one person that's giving me a yes or no. Just one meal. One meal. All right, that's it. One meal. That's it. He's voting. He's voting for his wife. Way to go. One meal. We will do that and uh, go with the tacos, or you want to do something different? Help me out here, people. Tacos. Tacos are good. Tacos, burritos, tacos. I told him that we were going to do, he was going to, he's going to do a whole pig. We're going to bring the whole thing, head and all. No, we're not going to do that. Okay, so guinea, guinea pigs. I think we'll pass on that. All right, so we got that settled now, right? So it's just Sunday, uh, and we won't do it this coming Sunday, all right? So, um, and I'm uh, sorry about all those changes, but uh, we've just... Um, as we thought through the day, we wanted to make it a little bit more special and um, felt as well that might even help the Morrises if they got a few loose ends to get tied up. They'll have a little bit more time in the evening on Sunday uh, to get everything uh, finished. Hope they better have it pretty much done by then. I know. But uh, anyway, we do want to honor them and as well just um, just have a, a day of rejoicing and looking forward to their heading out and uh, getting to the field and answered a prayer for a long time now. So, all right, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're in Proverbs now, chapter um, chapter 11, if you would. Proverbs chapter 11, we left off uh, looking at a list of uh, expectations based on your choices and need to explain that. Remember, we're talking about the righteous and the wicked. We have the two 
uh, groups that are contrasted 45 times in the book of Proverbs. And in those contrasts, we have uh, both a, a picture of uh, how they act, and there are many different ways in which they act, and we've already been through that list, and now we're looking at what you can expect. The clear choices come with different results, and what you choose in the first point and under how they act, if you choose to act in a certain way, you can expect some things to happen or you can expect some results. And remember this, Proverbs are not always absolutes. Everything happens first time you do it or whatever. Sometimes it takes a long time before you ever see fruit from or the end result because God doesn't work on a, all right, one and done. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Uh, that he is gracious and merciful, and many times he, uh, he works with us and maybe he convicts or he does things to help us get back on the right path, and he doesn't just say, oh, you blew it, we're done with you, you know, you're, you're finished. And I'm thankful that we serve a God who is that way, but we do need to understand these expectations, and we need to keep them before us, and we need to live in light of that. In fact, these things ought be, if you would, a motive to live right and not to do wrong and to make the right choices in life. And we left off at letter G, uh, taught in chapter 11 and verse 31, where we read these words, Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked in the sinner. And there are blessings that come to the righteous in the earth in, in this lifetime, and by the way, in the life to come. And also, there are judgments that come to the wicked, even in this life. And then in the world to come. It's the principle of sowing and reaping taught throughout Scripture. Let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we do ask for your wisdom as we look once again into Scripture and this, this uh, contrasting principle of the righteous and the wicked and pictures that are given in the book of Proverbs. And, and I pray that our time, uh, though it is short, would be fruitful and we would be reminded of the great value and importance of living right and doing what's right and, and saying no to the desires that pull us away from God and the things that are right. And uh, Father, may this, this time be just a challenge to us and a reminder that our choices have great bearing on what happens in life. And uh, we'll thank you for how you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years back, news reports told the story of a motorist who stole $9 worth of gasoline. And you say, well, big deal. He stole $9 worth of gasoline. Well, what happened in the end was really the tragic thing. He died in a fiery wreck while he was making his getaway. The speeding car exploded when it hit a tree. Uh, police said the unidentified motorist had filled up at a gas station without paying. He ran off, and the manager, Gary Adams, 35, took off after him, honking, waving his arms, and yelling as the cars raced through a residential area. It ended up in this crash, and the driver, after the crash, struggled to pull himself out of a win the window of the burning car. The station manager ran to the vehicle, tried to rescue him, tried to pull him out, but it got too hot, he gave up. Uh, the, the Corporal John McLean said he died a very painful death for $9 worth of gas. A witness who tried to douse the flames with a fire extinguisher said, what a tragic thing. 
When we speak of the righteous and wicked, it is important for us to always remember that there is this principle of sowing and reaping. It doesn't always happen immediately when the action takes, as we've already said, takes place, as we've already indicated. But the truth is, there's just this matter woven into the fabric of life designed by God that sowing and reaping happens. And when we make choices, whatever choices they may be, good or bad, there are consequences that come. Now, it's often that when we tell stories, we tell stories on the negative side of the ledger. I know that because it just is human nature to look at the bad side. But there's the positive as well, that there is a, a blessing that comes in living a righteous life. And we need to remember that and live in light of that truth. Look, if you would now, as we move to the next point, we wanted to kind of just get you to that place again. In chapter 13 and in verse 9, where this contrast is brought out, where we read the words, The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Now, I put it this way, and it's actually taught in a couple places. Look at verse 25 of the same chapter. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of the soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. Um, if you were, uh, in fact, take a moment to look at chapter 15 and verse 6, a third verse. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but, the revenues of the, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. It seems in these uh, uh, three contrast verses that give us this picture of this contrast that we see both a satisfying life or a dissatisfying life. Now, it may be brought out in different ways, and it is pictured in different ways in these verses, but a man who makes a choice to live righteously is choosing a life that satisfies. I like chapter 15 and verse 6 because it does picture it. The house of the righteous is much treasure, but the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The idea is that the righteous may not have a lot of money, okay? Yeah, he has a house. He doesn't have a, not necessarily a lot of possessions. But in whatever he has, there's treasure. In other words, he's satisfied with what he has been given. But in the revenues of the wicked, there's trouble. There's trouble that comes with it. And he's, he ends up being dissatisfied, even though he may have great revenues coming in. And that seems to be the picture of that verse. So... A satisfying life or a dissatisfying life, you make your choice. Now, it's interesting because Satan always makes wickedness look like it's satisfying, look like it'll meet your need. It'll help you to accomplish what you really desire. But the truth is, it's empty. The life of righteousness is the satisfying life. And it's amazing how Satan makes the life of righteousness look bad, look like it would never satisfy. And haven't you had someone tell you before, I have, I, I, you know, I've worked with people and I've come across people who say, you know, that, all that religion, going to church all the time and everything else, you know, it seems like, man, that'd be a terrible life. When in reality, it's a, a, most, a most satisfying way to live. A satisfying life or a dissatisfied life, you make the choice. Um, in fact, you can write down, if you want, and take a look in Proverbs 4, 18, and 19. There seems to be a contrast kind of like these that tie uh, maybe these truths uh, together. The first verse we already looked at in chapter 13 compares life to light. The righteous has a bright life, light, where uh, life, <laughs> bright life, light, 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 okay. 
But the wicked is a lesser lamp. It doesn't end in fulfillment. Uh, the second speaks of satisfaction in regard to supply in chapter 13 and verse 25. And it doesn't deal with how much food they have, but rather that they're satisfied by the provision they have from God. And again, chapter 15 and verse 6. Look in chapter 15 now, since you may be there, but I've heard pages rustling, so maybe you're lost. All right, verse 29, we read this, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. I love this one. You have help versus no help. Okay? Righteous man cries to the Lord. God hears. The wicked man cries to the Lord, and what? He's not heard. God is right there for the righteous man in trouble. Look at those words again. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. So here's the wicked man. He's going through life. He comes to a crisis, and where do I turn now? By the way, I, I have seen that evidence so many times. I don't know where to go now. I don't have any help. Now, as long as everything's going well for the wicked person, man, they're fine. They're happy. They're, they're prosperous. They're joyful. At least they seem that way um, until the hangover the next morning, you know. Um, and, and everything's going fine. But when things start to fall apart, they don't have the Lord's help. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard in life some Christians say, I don't know how I'd make it without the Lord. And you probably said that. And I know I've experienced that myself so many times in life. It's like, man, I wouldn't want to go through this without God's help. And yet, when someone chooses a, a life of wickedness, when they go down that wrong path, they're, they're ultimately choosing a life that is... Um, that is, with, if you would, without God, without his aid, without his ear, to hear their prayer, because the Lord is far from the wicked. Um, if you take time to read through, there's like three different psalms where David wrote when he had sinned against God. In, and uh, in the 30s, I can't remember which one it was, Psalm 51. And he describes the tremendous pressure and weight and if you would, the, the loneliness, the emptiness that came to his life when he chose a path of wickedness and sinned with Bathsheba, killed her husband, and continued down that path for months. And yet, um, his life was empty, and he said these words in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He talked about God's presence even in that passage. So help versus no help. You choose what will be. Let's go on. And again, some of these are closely related, but look, if you would, at chapter 24. In verse 15 and verse 16, we see these words. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. I put it this way, providential care or judgment. Providential care or judgment. 
Um, think about how this is presented here. First of all, wicked people hate righteous people and often seek their demise. It's true. Why would anyone hate me? I wonder. I'm such a nice guy. I don't know why anyone would ever hate me. You know? but, but truly, wicked people hate righteous people. And, and it's amazing to me. You know, the, um, the world calls people, uh, when you deal with the subject of homosexuality, homophobes, you know, well, you're afraid of. Um, and, and they always act like righteous people hate homosexuals. I, actually, I despise their actions and their activities. Don't hate the people. People need help. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is, is those people hate righteous people. Uh, because men love darkness rather than light. And this, these verses picture this truth. He says, lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. See, that's what they do. Spoil not his resting place. And here's the reason why you shouldn't mess around with them. The just man follows seven times. He rises up again because he has the help of God. And you can knock him down, and you can knock him down seven times. But he's going to come back because he has the help of God. Righteous people may get knocked down, but they get back up because God strengthens and meets their every need. But on the other hand, the wicked man, he doesn't have that kind of help. And mischief, the mischief they plan and execute often is their own undoing. And, and finally for tonight, we'll finish this point, which I hope, I thought we were going to get through the whole outline. Uh, fat chance. Okay, chapter 28 and verse 1. I, you know, trying to have a prayer list to make things faster. And I didn't get even up to speak until 10 till, so it didn't work. All right. Um, well, give us a week or two, okay? Hopefully we'll get it a little bit faster. But in chapter 28 and verse 1, uh, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Look, imagine someone running down the street looking behind them as you're sitting on your front porch. They come running up to you. And they say, there are men chasing me. They're trying to kill me. And you look around. There's no one there. And you're starting to think, is this guy on drugs? You know, what is wrong with this guy? You know, are you, are you serious? Um, because they have no reason to run. They have no reason to be frightened. As far as you're concerned, their fears seem to be imaginary. You know, God says the wicked live life like that. Um, it's amazing some wealthy uh, man who's unrighteous who's wicked is always worried about the fact that someone's going to take it away in fact other places in scripture talk about that it fears that are unwarranted um, they don't have any reason behind that and wicked people live life like that they're controlled by fears things that aren't real which causes them great fear nonetheless even though it's not real Wicked people live lives of fear, but the righteous man is given boldness by God to face sometimes very fearful things and not be controlled by them. So like a, a lion who will stand and will not bow to a threat that might be apparent, so the righteous stands tall in tr truly terrifying situations. And that's a vivid contrast pictured for us 
and it's a big difference made that's that's made by get this your choice if you haven't been getting the point yet your choices make the difference in how your life turns out a lot of times we want to blame everyone else we want to blame well if i didn't have this situation if i didn't have that look your choices determine the outcome in life And God wanted to make it very, very clear. And he took numerous Proverbs to teach the very same truth. You choose a life of wickedness, and this is what will happen, and this is what you can expect. You choose a life of righteousness, and this is what you can expect. The choice is yours. Now, don't be upset when those things happen. And don't be all bent out of shape and mad at God because, well, hey, God already told me. This is how things are going to happen, and this is how it's going to shake out. If you make this choice, and you may succeed for a while, and everything may go just fine for a while, but know this, that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And Proverbs, some probably 20 out of the 45 times, reminds us of that fact in numerous ways, telling us, look, wickedness is not the right choice. Righteousness is. So make the right choice. So you can reap the wonderful benefits of doing what's right and not live with the consequences of wickedness. Father, thanks for your word and for the truth and for laying it out so plainly and in in so many different ways and yet directly and powerfully reminding us that our choices have consequences. And I pray that, that I would make right choices this week and that your people would hear that we would have Christians who are choosing a righteous path rather than paths and, and of wickedness. And Father, may we then see the great blessing that comes in that right walk. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you as you choose the right path this week. You're dismissed.